It's been quite a week, hasn't it? Uh, my daughter sent me a video uh, yesterday. We'll cue it up here. Uh, they have no food in California, so let's pray for these guys. Uh, and for all of us, it's an it's, it's amazing, interesting time with what we're going through here together as a church. Two water bottles. This is really terrific because I got a scratchy throat. Hey, Jeff, I love you. I know you're home with your scratchy throat, but we're here, you know, worshiping and serving God. It's a beautiful thing to think about all of our brothers and sisters literally around the world that are having similar kind of experiences. Uh, this is going to be a season of first for us in, in all of our lives. Uh, I had one earlier this week. Actually, for the first time in my life, I got up very early and stood in line at a Target at 7.15 and waited 45 minutes so I could get eight big packages of toilet paper. And my wife was so fired up. Kelly was so excited. I found a new uh, secret to a woman's heart. Forget chocolate and flowers. It's toilet paper. So that's what I figured out. Seriously, though, um, this is going to be, be a tough time for a lot of people. I was talking on the phone um, concerning some of our brothers and sisters in Italy. They're in complete shutdown uh, mode now. They're quarantined. They can't go out. Uh, that could happen uh, here as well. And we all got to be prepared and be patient, patient with each other, instant forgiveness. Kelly and I actually had a little bump the other night being so cooped up together. And our son Ryan said, we need to pray. We had a good prayer. We're all going to need a lot of prayer. We're all going to need uh, God's spirit to keep us uh, close and to keep us uh, really hopefully at our best because people around us are going to need us. Uh, this is the time to trust God for him to continue to open up our eyes so we can see and learn new things while we're together and really draw near to, uh, to him. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe some unique ways that we haven't in, you know, in the past. I, uh, I just got a bulletin um, here before I came up on stage, and it simply states that uh, breaking news, God and the Holy Spirit are not sick. That's really good news, all right? He'll be working, the Spirit will be working in our lives, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll accomplish these things together. The series we're going through, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus, and this morning the topic is simple grace. We're talking about John chapter 8. I'd like you to open up your Bible and turn there, and we're going to find some amazing things in this very short little episode that we sometimes call uh, Jesus and the Woman Caught in Adultery. John 8, this little section of just a few verses, along with Psalm 23 and the birth accounts of Jesus, probably the most beloved sections in the Bible. And it's an amazing thing as you're opening up your Bible and as we're considering uh, beginning in chapter 8 and in verse 2, this idea of simple grace. This is an episode of the highest drama. There's a trial Two people caught in the act. There's, there's a vulnerable woman, a terrifying moment, a stone's throw from death and destruction. There's the judging of the judges. There's the verdict. Neither do I condemn you. Case dismissed. Simple grace. Go and sin no more. Let's, uh, let's begin reading in uh, in. Chapter 8 and verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. 
the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, and he started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said, to them, let one, any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, he said. Go now and leave your life of sin. In most of your Bibles, you're going to find a footnote here, beginning with uh, that last verse in John chapter 7 and through uh, verse 11 here in chapter 8 with this account. In the earliest manuscripts, this account uh, doesn't appear or in other manuscripts. It, it's at various places uh, throughout uh, the Gospels. At the end of Luke, uh, Luke 21, sometimes at the end of, of John 21, and, and many times uh, uh, not at all there. Uh, it's prompted some people to wonder, did this event really happen? Most scholars uh, agree, no, th- this is too authentic, and it, it, it's too much evidence here that this really occurred, but it looks like John is taking this event and he's placing it here in his gospel because in, in chapter 7, uh, there's this whole uh, environment where the leaders of the Pharisees, the chief priests, are looking for a way to trap Jesus. Uh, they've sent guards to arrest him. They ridicule the guards for not bringing him in. They, uh, they insult Nicodemus for saying, we haven't even heard this guy's side of the story. They said they've been pl- they started to plot to kill him at the beginning of chapter 7. And in chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, judge, stop judging by mere appearances, judge correctly. And so it looks like the apostle John thought this is the perfect time to be able to tell this story and relate this amazing story of simple grace. You know, one of the things, we learn a lot of lessons from here in John chapter 8, and it'll be a, what a great week to be able to spend time in the book of John and so many other great books in the Bible. You, you can't go very far without finding the grace of God and the simple grace of Jesus in the Gospels. But in um, um, my, my next thought, I'd like if you can, uh, I'm sure the slide is there for you, those uh, at home. Um, this, Jesus' simple grace changes the hardest of hearts, well, at least for a little while. And we'll go back to the account here. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down, he began to write, and beginning with the oldest ones first, they dropped their stones and and they left. This is, a, this is one of these episodes in the life of Jesus where you just got to feel, I wish I could have been there. 
the nuances of, of this, this moment of, of, of danger, the tenseness, the, trans, the transformative nature of what happens here in the life of Jesus and his disciples. And it also includes the only recorded time in the Gospels where Jesus writes anything. It's an amazing account, really. Jesus did change the hearts of even the worst hardened hearts, at least for a little while, by his graciousness and his simple grace. These were not good guys that he was interacting with. There, we've already illustrated from uh, chapter 7 their attitude, and as it continues on in chapter 8 and verse 12, and through the, out the end of the chapter, they start plotting again to kill Jesus. And at the end of the chapter, they pick up stones to try to stone him, but he slips away. These really, they're not good guys, you know, at all. One of the things that uh, p- people wonder about is, well, what about the man? I mean, it says it was caught in the act of adultery, so obviously there must have been two people involved, and it's this double standard that is so frequent in those days and for many, many centuries, even up to this day. Here's the thing, though. Jesus is not picking a fight here. He's not trying to win a debate here. He'll get into going back and forth with the Pharisees and chief priests a, little, a few verses from now. He's concerned about the woman. He's concerned about her and her heart. There's been a lot of speculation about the writing. What was he writing? What was it that the, 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 the leaders set to stone a vulnerable woman? What, what is it that, that changed that caused them to drop the stones and, you know, and walk away? There have been a lot of speculation. I, uh, you know, for, you know, for me, uh, my best guess is it goes back to the time where the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5, wrote some words as well. The king of, of, uh, of Babylon, a bad guy, you know, uh, had a big feast. And this writing on the wall appeared. And the account says he grew pale, his knees knocked, and he fell to the ground. It was written in Persian. Mene, mene, tekel parson which was translated variously, you know, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Whatever he wrote, whatever came across, the leaders got the point. They dropped their stones. Incidentally, later that night, this king of Babylon died and was slain. And, you know, we don't know exactly what happened, but perhaps they realized you know, we, we better drop these stones and move out of this situation. Whatever actually happened there, and it's amazing to think about it and speculate, Jesus' attention turns back to the woman. He really cares uh, about her and is doing everything he can to, uh, to try to take care of her life and her needs as, as well. Let's look back again in John chapter 8. And uh, see a few other things that we'll note even from this passage. Humility begins with the oldest. This is almost in the side here that you're able to see that is very, uh, very obvious. Beginning with the oldest, they dropped the stones and they moved on. It's in line with, with scriptures like 1 Peter chapter 5 when uh, the elders are asked, uh, you know, to be a good example to, uh, to the flock 
to be able to uh, submit uh, young people, to be able to submit to those who are older, and to be able to, um, to learn from them. This is amazing. So for me, this saved, this saved my life through the years. Um, it saved my marriage, saved my spiritual life, being able to learn from and be able to grow from those who are older and learn those lessons. But uh, the older need to learn from the younger. The younger need to learn from the older. And all of us have this heart and this spirit of, of humility. The, uh, let's go on to, to the verdict. The verdict. The most obvious thing here is the verdict depends not on our goodness or our innocence, but on, on Jesus' simple grace. Those who, uh, who heard that uh, went away. Jesus straightened up and said, woman, uh, where are they? Has nobody condemned you? And, of course, she said, no one. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. This really reminds me of the passage in Romans chapter 8. Maybe you thought about it already, this idea of no condemnation. What shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, the only person who has the right to, to judge us or condemn us is God. And the passage goes on, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus is not only the friend He's the defense attorney. He's the judge. There is no condemnation in Christ. And it's such an incredible uh, thing to remember as you look at this episode in John 8. And as you also think about passages like Romans chapter 8 and so many others. Because, you know, the verdict, case dismissed. No longer guilty. And what, what a tremendous sense of relief that must have been for for this woman, and what an example, you know, for all of us. We wouldn't really be dealing with the passage, and I'm sure you realize this if you've studied it, you know, yourself. We, uh, we, we wouldn't uh, be looking at the entire context if we didn't have a comment about sin. Now, Jesus is so full of grace. He's uh, uh, so loving. He cares so much about this individual woman, but uh, he, he does tell her, go now and leave your life of sin. It kind of reminds you uh, of John chapter 5, when the man who was healed there uh, all of a sudden came back, uh, his, his legs came back to life, and um, he, uh, he was healed in a dramatic way. And Jesus came back a little bit later on, and he said to him in that same chapter, you know, stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. What would have happened if this woman had not left her life of sin? What if Mary Magdalene's heart really hadn't changed? Remember, she was uh, delivered from uh, those demons. Uh, Jesus talked about this in Ma uh, Matthew chapter 12, 43, I think, through 45, where he talked about when an evil spirit comes out of somebody, the spirit goes away for a while, but he comes back, and if he sees emptiness in that person's life he'll bring actually seven worse and the uh, spirits and the, uh, the situation will be worse than it was at the first it's actually a frightening passage in the sense of helps all of us young Christians and all of us remember that when we are forgiven by God's grace and we have this amazing not guilty verdict and we have this incredible inheritance of heaven um, that, that there was a lot of cost uh, there's a worldwide epidemic for centuries, it's called sin. 
I think we're aware of it. It's devastated lives, marriages, hearts, families. It's, it's come up in addictions and lust and greed and, and avarice and jealousy. And it's ruined the lives of so many people. And, and, and so it's, it's something for us to remember and to be aware of how important this is as well. When we've been touched by God's love and by, by God's grace, to leave the sin behind. It's what uh, Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus and, and, and lay aside the sin that clings so closely and uh, everything that hinders and run with perseverance with our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, it's a really interesting thing. Uh, it's in the newsletter and it's posted on our website that, um, that we, uh, we received, uh, you know, a little while ago. It was this uh, Best of Marietta. I guess apparently North River was voted as the best place of worship in Marietta, you know, in 2020. I mean, that's a, we're honored, you know, that uh, some people feel that way about us. Uh, we know anything good about us is coming from the grace of God and the Holy Spirit working, you know, in our lives. But it does remind us when we come to church, it, it does matter if we sing. It does matter if we're loving and warm. It does matter if our hearts are really focused, you know, in there. But I think the thing that, that struck me when I thought about this, especially with what we're going through, is, um, you know, what we really want to be, is the best that we individually can be. Just the very best we can be in this time, in our families, in our community, in, in our small groups. Uh, that's what's important and for this, this whole experience to bring out the best you know, in us. It, that's what happened in the, uh, the f- first century, in, in the first few centuries of Christianity. Um, this is a great book. If you haven't read it, if you haven't come in contact with it, check it out, The Rise of Christianity. And it talks about the rise and spread of Christianity was, was just seeing the beautiful hearts of Christians in time of plague, in time of real sickness, in time of you know, war and challenges. The Christians were the first to be out there on the front lines giving and loving and, and, and serving because this simple grace of Jesus that, that also comes through in the simple grace in our own lives, it causes us to... To, to be active and to be engaged and to share our heart with a real hurting world. This, uh, it's a time to shine, you know, for all of us. Uh, There's going to be a lot of tension, a lot of stress. There are things we need to learn from this experience ourselves. There are things uh, our family can learn, and we can grow spiritually through this. But we want to be aware of the many, many people around us, okay, they won't be in big, huge groups, but we'll still have interaction with people and to look for the opportunities to really be able to serve. I'm sure we'll share a lot of those practical things with you, but the, the people who have a special need right now, the elderly, we can go, go shopping for them. We can encourage them and help them. There are working parents that we could really use some people to be able to help on a selected basis, maybe reaching out and helping out with their children. The, the Lighthouse Gym isn't open, but you know, we could have a competition with the campus students and the middle school students in video games or Madden football. I'm betting on the middle school students, you know, personally. But there are all kinds of things that we, if we just get creative and think about it, God will lead us in how we can really serve and make an impact. And spiritual needs. Whatever we do, let's not forget about that. There's still so many opportunities to study the Bible by Skype with people. 
they're the conversations that we can have. We can invite people to join us via live stream or some of our digital gatherings, you know, that we'll be having so many ways to be a light in this, uh, in this world. How do we do it? How can we be our best, the best that we can be? Well, it's simply by fo- focusing eyes, our eyes and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the very thing we've been trying to do for the last several months. I'd like to close out these, uh, these thoughts on, uh, on simple grace with, uh, with a thought from Luke chapter 7. It's a, uh, it's a final thought and a, and a reminder that our sins, not just this lady's sins, are forgiven. It's a little bit of speculation, but it contains an eternal truth. Um, do you remember in, in Luke chapter 7, we studied it the last two Sundays in our, our lessons in Luke chapter 7, there's, there's the woman who didn't belong. There was a, a gathering, a Pharisee called Simon, had his friends together. Jesus was invited. And a, a sinful woman, that's what they call her, that's what Simon calls her, a sinful woman bursts into the scene where she doesn't belong. And she immediately starts uh, uh, anointing Jesus' feet uh, with, with costly perfume and her tears, uh, wa- you know, watering his feet and her hair drying uh, his feet. And the, the people there, they never seen anything like this before. Uh, that, that just doesn't happen. And um, Simon is very arrogant about it. Don't you realize this woman is a sinner? And Jesus says, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And he says, tell me, teacher. And he tells a parable which basically is the the one who has been forgiven much, loves much. But if you don't feel like you've been forgiven much, you're not going to to be able to to love much. And here's what he says to Simon. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever is forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to talk about themselves. Who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. This sinful woman in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 7, the woman who had no place, is it, is it possible that this could be the same woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 and Jesus is just reminding her of this incredible event and miracle in her life? So full of gratitude, so full of wonder of this miracle of grace in her life that once she was lost, lost on many different levels, but became found and forgiven and saved, and just with such heart, reached out to Jesus and ran to a place that she didn't belong. Could this possibly have been the same woman? We don't know. Personally, I've imagined that for years. That, in fact, is who it was. But all of us just need to be reminded the very same thing. Our sins are forgiven. That's it this morning. Simple grace. It's in every book of the Bible. Grace and peace, the gift of God and the Holy Spirit, provided by the Prince of Peace himself, our Lord and Savior and friend, Jesus.
And I'm pretty sure the church will all say, Amen. See you next week.